much for that song. I'm honored to have uh, so many mothers here this morning, and just so I know who I'm speaking to, uh, how many of you have your mother here in the room today? Would you lift your hand up? All right, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for being here today. I want you to know that we hold mothers in high regard here at Centennial Baptist, and you are precious to the Lord, and you're precious to us. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to look at our passage in Mark chapter 7. The notes are provided in your bulletin this morning if you'd like to follow along with those. And look at Mark chapter 7. We'll read the first nine verses right before we pray this morning. Mark chapter 7, and starting in verse number 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashen hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. This morning we're going to talk about parenting, fruit versus tree. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God that brings us together in this place. We thank you for each mother who's here. And I pray that in the heart of each mother today, that you would do a work of encouragement, of building. And I pray that mothers would leave this place uh, more ready to serve in their capacity more ready to follow you. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you listen to this song, please? I have a a verse here that I'd like to read to you because this verse, when I read it, I think of my mother. She lived by this verse. She fashioned her life according to this verse. And she taught us as kids to, um, to live in this way. And it is Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things.
I'd been out in the yard Picking dandelions all day I burst through that front door When I gathered enough To give to my mom To show her my love And when I held out my hand Well, she looked down at me And she said, I've never seen flowers As beautiful as these She's the one told me about Jesus She's the one taught me to sing She deserves an armful of roses But she's satisfied with a handful of weeds I wish I had found more time to make it back home I could have done better, I know in my heart Than to scribble a note on a last-minute card But when she calls on the phone The first thing she says is I've read this card over and over special <clears throat> and if your mom uh, did not happen to be the one who told you about Jesus still a lot to thank your mom for and uh, moms are very very special and yeah, I honor them today thank you Kathy for that moms 
have a lot of things to think about. And I'm not a mom, but I've been told that this is true. Um, God designated the brains of ladies to be like, I guess I have to describe it as spaghetti. Um, If you touch one noodle, you touch the whole thing. That's why a woman can wake up in the middle of the night concerned about the things that men don't even begin to understand. And at that point in time, men, because they tend to compartmentalize life, um, they're usually in their sleep box. Men have boxes. They have their work box. They got their marriage box, their kids box, their sleep box, their football box, and their biggest box of all, their nothing box. And if you've ever talked to a man and you said to him, what are you thinking about? Nothing. He literally means it. He's in his nothing box. Do not disturb him. Um, but, but ladies are completely different and their brains are, are configured by God. Uh, they don't have boxes. They do not usually compartmentalize. It all blends together. And I'm sure that many of you moms would agree with me that moms have one of the most difficult jobs on planet Earth. Um, they have meals to prepare and dishes to get clean and laundry to wash and dry and fold and houses to get spick and span. And when you were growing up, I'm sure that you may have heard of some of these. Uh, they're the unwritten rules of moms. And you might have heard your mom say something like, wash up for dinner, make sure you clean behind your ears, brush your teeth, um, gather up your dirty clothes, take the garbage out, clean up that talk in there. You want soap in your mouth? Um, That one, I don't know why I heard that one, but um, get this room picked up, clean up your heart, clean up your heart. Probably didn't hear that one, did you? Um, And yet, moms and dads, who I believe are incredibly sincere about their parenting, can miss the big thing. Um, Just like the Pharisees in this passage, who were very sincere, missed the big thing, the heart. I want to go back through this passage for just a second by way of introduction and point out kind of what was taking place in Mark chapter 7. So they had come together, and the Pharisees were just watching to see how Jesus' disciples were going to mess up. They were going to find something that was wrong. All right, this was like a white glove inspection. The sergeant was going to find something wrong. All right, we're um, adding to our second story of our building, and God bless her heart, the building inspector um, just somehow found 15 to 20 things wrong with our set of plans. Um, she just miraculously did that. And I'm sure they're all legit, but she found them in the code. And uh, you know how the Pharisees were? They could find something wrong. And so here it was. They found out that Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is a criminal offense. Not only to the Pharisees, but to your mother. Um, If you eat without washing your hands, you're in big trouble. And and so the Pharisees, they've got all these things. They have these these, uh, special traditions of the elders. Now, these were not actually laws. Um, In the Old Testament, there are 616 ceremonial laws that they were supposed to keep. And they had to know what kind of 
fish to eat, what kind of fish not to eat, what kind of birds to eat, what kind of birds not to eat, and what this leprosy means, and what this mold is in a wall, all kinds of things. And, and then the Pharisees, because they already knew all 616, and they knew what they meant, they added their traditions that were supposed to protect them from breaking the law. And so they added special traditions. Like This would be like if the speed limit is 55, and you have a tradition that you only go 45. Because you don't want to get even close to the speed limit. And so if somebody next to you is going 48 miles an hour, now you're ticked off. They're breaking my tradition. Now they're still below the speed limit, but they're breaking your tradition. That's kind of what was happening here. Um, This washing of all these different things was just a tradition. Um, The washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Sounds like chores to me, right? you got to wash all these things and make sure you get them right. And this pan's still dirty. And, man, there was a lot of this going on. And uh, so they said, hey, your disciples aren't keeping the tradition. And look what Jesus said in verse 6, just to remind us what the issue is. This people, end of verse 6, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And here, here's the deal. I'm afraid in the day and age in which we live that moms who are very sincere and dads, who we're going to be talking a lot to today, even though it's Mother's Day, we miss the big thing of the heart. We get all these other things, right? We get the cleats and we get the socks and we get the ballet slippers. And man, we got all the things that we have to get especially moms, they know about all this stuff. But sometimes we miss the heart. And that's the issue we want to get to this morning because Jesus got to it in Mark 7. We've been talking about it for several weeks here in this series, um, how we need to add by subtracting in our hearts and the parasites that attack our hearts. Just to remind you of that, look down at verse number 19. Jesus is describing what can defile a person. He says in verse 19, Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drop, purging all meats. Talking about um, how it's not what you eat that defiles you. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, Fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And it all comes from the inside. And so as we talk to moms today and dads today, everybody in the room, um, we want to understand how we deal with the tree and not just the fruit. And uh, so let's get into the message. Start by talking about soaring plans big plans before palm pilots and day timers and google calendar there was mom right and mom um, maybe you still do but mom had the calendar on the refrigerator remember that and it had everybody's things for the whole week or the whole month and if mom was really going to town, it even had the menu items that the family was going to eat for the week. And uh, some moms, they got weeks where they're like, oh, 
fooey on that. Whatever's in the pantry, we're opening it and we're eating it. And at our house, every once in a while, we got cans that had no labels. And uh, it was no label night. And so you just open it up. And if it's lima beans, you're going to town on lima beans. And if it's SpaghettiOs, I hope you like them. You know, peaches, main course, whatever it is. Um, but moms have that, that calendar on the refrigerator, and they kept everyone on the fam, in the family on task. What day does Junior have a test? And what day is Little League practice? And what day does Sally have ballet? And the music lesson's on this day, and the sports are here. And uh, what day do you have your SAT preparation meeting? And uh, how are you working on your scholarship hunt for your college education? And the meals, and even church attendance. Um, And good moms are very intentional. They plan ahead with big plans. And it's because they have big plans that it might be hard to fathom that God might even have bigger plans for their kids than they do. One of my favorite Bible verses, and it's a promise, it's in Jeremiah 29, where God is talking to his people in a prophecy. And here's what he says in verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Buddy, I'm glad you're here today. I, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Can you stop playing with that? Thank you. Um, but God wants us to have a good ending. He wants us to have an expected plan, just like our moms do. Your mom wants things good in your life. That's why your mom cries when things don't go good for you. Right? Every time my mom comes to visit us and she gets ready to leave, my kids say, why is, why is she crying? And Because she wants things good. She wants to stay. She wants to be with her kids and her grandkids. And sometimes that causes great pain to a mother when things aren't good with her kids or her grandkids. And when God tells parents in Proverbs 22 to train up a child in the way he should go or she should go, and you guys have all heard that before, right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And man, that's a great promise. But I'm pretty sure in that verse that God's not talking about the big plans we have for our kids. He's talking about his huge, massive plans for our kids. Um, His eternal purpose for our kids. His plan is so much bigger than ours that we can't even begin to understand it. I truly do appreciate that moms are so focused on their kids' well-being. I appreciate my wife more than I could even describe. She just plain make things worse. Not make things worse, makes things work Man, that's, that, is not, that is not a good place to get tongue-tied. Oh, she just plain makes things worse. Um, she just plain makes things work at our house. The second one is the one really that's, that's true and that I actually meant to say, and I can even show you right here on my iPad. All right. It's, it's the one right there. It says, says that one. Um. She really does. I appreciate my wife. But even though mothers are so very intentional about many things involving their kids, 
their kids still have the potential to leave home unprepared for what life will throw at their hearts. See, here's the deal. A classical education or a Latin background or a comprehensive look at the fine arts or a baseball practice or a football team or a basketball program, all put together, they do not guarantee that a child's heart is prepared for God's massively huge plan. This is soaring plans. But then I want to see the second part, surface parenting. Surface parenting. Much of our parenting barely skims the surface of the heart. Much of it, unfortunately. And I'm going to explain it to you. I'm not trying to beat you up. Uh, In fact, the whole second half of the message, moms, is great news about how to help you. But we have to go through this part to understand what, what we're discussing, the surface parenting. We started this series um, with a word picture about a pear tree. And if you weren't here that day, um, I brought a bucket in and uh, talked about going around and picking up pears, the mushy pears and the rotten pears, and uh, how we could just go out every day and pick up the pears. Or we could deal with the tree. We could chop the tree down. We could pull it up by the roots. We could get rid of the tree. And we can either go out with our kids with a bucket every day and deal with the fruit of their heart. Or we can deal with their heart, the main thing. Here's the unfortunate thing. Most well-meaning parents only deal with the fruit. Most well-meaning parents only deal with what's fallen from the tree. Just like the Pharisees, they were well-meaning, but all they could think about was the outside. What's happening on the outside? It'd be like if you went to your doctor, and your doctor said, "Uh, did you brush your teeth this morning? And, uh, hey, did you make your bed? And uh, are your shoes clean? Did you clean your shoes before you came in here? And he asked all these questions. You're like, Doc, hold on. I thought I was here for a heart exam. I thought I was here so you could take the, sketh- the, the stethoscope. Man, I'm having trouble today. She makes things work. Makes things work, work. Um, he could take the stethoscope and listen to your heart. Right? That's why you went there. And... What happens is sometimes we get confused about dealing with the outside and we never deal with the heart. So there's a lot of surface parenting. There's a lot of surface marriages where all we talk about is the house and the lawn and the bills and we never talk about the inside. And sometimes it's just customarily how it's done. And uh, what I'm trying to get to today is maybe that's not how it should be done according to God's word. Because this is the way it is, and and the questions our parents asked uh, even revolved around monitoring our behavior, Um, many people were never taught to pay attention, much less to guard their hearts. Proverbs 4, verse 23, and you guys probably have all heard this verse before, says, keep thy heart, or guard your heart, with all diligence. For out of it, 
are the issues of life. You have never yet had an issue in your life that did not begin in your heart. It's never happened. And you say, wait, you don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. You don't know what they did. No, your issue started in your heart. And in this whole series, we've talked about what some of those issues are. But sometimes we don't really know how to guard that heart. And so we train our kids, and rightly so, not to say bad words, and not to hit, and not to make fun of others, and not to raise their voice, and how to fish, and how to cook, and how to clean. But sometimes we fail to teach them why we're doing those things. We teach them how to do it, but we don't teach them why. And each of us lives from the heart. The health of your heart is going to be reflected in the quality of your life. And we are good at showing our kids how to process what's going on around them. But maybe not give a moment's notice to what's going on inside of them. And in the second half of the message, I want to share with you how to get away from surface parenting. I know that you want the best for the children God's given you. But God wants the best even more than you can imagine. God wants the best for you. And he wants the best for your kids much better than you could ever imagine. And it starts with simple practices. That's the third part of our message today. Simple practices. We're going to go back and talk through this series just briefly. Um, If you were here or you weren't here, sometimes we forget. And uh, sometimes I forget what I talked about last Sunday, so I know you forget, right? You guys are all alert, but um, if I forget, I know you do. And in this series, we've covered some, some dreadful heart parasites that take root in our lives, and they really mess things up. And I mentioned a quote from Pastor Andy Stanley in in Atlanta, Georgia. Here's what he says, and I love this quote. Guilt says, I owe you. That's what guilt says. Guilt says, I owe you. I have a debt toward you. Anger says, you owe me. You owe me big time. You, You have a debt that you owe me. Greed says, I owe me. I owe me. I deserve this. And jealousy, which we covered last week, jealousy says, God owes me. God, you could have done better by me. You could have given me what you gave my friend. You could have made me like you made my sister. You owe me. And we've gone through each of these heart residents, and we talked about the habit um, that keeps them from growing. They're always going to be in your heart. As long as you have a deceitful heart, Those things are going to be in there. But there are good, healthy habits, healthy heart habits, that we can implement into our lives that will stop them from growing. And these habits will lead to our kids' spiritual health. Simple practices that can be used in every home. I want you to think through them. Um, Confession to those I've hurt. You know, confession is what keeps guilt from growing in your heart. When you admit that you're the one who took the cookie from the cookie jar. When you admit that you're the one who knocked the vase over. Or you're the one who did something around the house. Or later in life, you're the one who 
hurt someone intentionally or even on accident, just coming up front and being real. Confession is a huge habit for your own. Um, along with talking to God about it, confessing it to others is big. Gets rid of guilt. Another one is this, the choice of forgiveness. To those who have hurt me, gets rid of anger. Confession limits guilt. Forgiveness limits anger. Yeah, and it stops it in its track. Generosity, we talked about, gets rid of greed. But generosity just totally limits what greed can do in your life. And then we talked about last week that celebrating the success of others limits jealousy. When you celebrate those who you might be jealous of, it gets rid of envy out of your heart. And when you're happy for them and excited about God's working in their life. And these habits are just huge for your home. I hope you'll get them into your home. And I'm going to tell you how in just a minute. Um, but these habits, along with your family prayer time and your family Bible time and, and being actively involved in uh, your local church, those make a huge difference, especially when they're applied consistently. But there's something else that I think can help even beyond that. And uh, let's spend some time uh, on this last part, which is sound perspective. Let's get a sound perspective on parenting. Why did God allow children into your home? Why did God give you the gift of children? And, and it, on Mother's Day, it's always difficult because some of you have had miscarriages. Um, some of you have lost children at a young age. Some of you have never been able to have children. And I do not stand up here with any type of anything but God's love for all of you. Uh, I'm not God. I didn't choose how all that works. And, and I think that all of you know that God loves you deeply and dearly. And uh, he, so there's some sound perspective here for parents. How many times do you suppose that your parents asked you some of these questions when you were growing up? And if you're a parent right now and you have kids who are of a certain age, these questions I know are going to resonate they're going to resonate in your mind because you ask them every day. All right? Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Um, that's something you have to ask kids. I mean, it's just a big deal, right? Did you do all of your homework? Right? And then the next one after that is, could you show it to me? Right? Could you show me your homework? And show me where it was written down what you were supposed to do. Um, are you holding your pencil correctly? smiling at my son there. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Did, did you finish your chores? Did you finish your chores? Did you shine the mirror the way I taught you to? Or did you just go like this? Did you clean your room? And is there anything under your bed? Right? And is there anything under your mattress? Because that can happen too. And you got all these things you're thinking about as a parent. Um, did you study for your test? How'd you do on your test? Did you thank your friend's mom for the meal that she provided? Um, what's that movie rated? What time did you come in last night? Did you hit anything with my car? All right, getting to that stage now. So um, you've been, a lot of you, in those stages of parenting where these big, huge, important questions have to be asked. Um, and uh, we all knew from the questions our parents asked what was important to them. After a while, 
We even knew what they were going to ask before they asked it. Dad, I'm seven now. You don't have to ask me in the restaurant if I need to go to the bathroom. Okay? I've got it taken care of. I'm good. Um, There was no point in asking certain things, even though my kids still, still try, because you knew that you wouldn't get to do that on a school night. All right? So even though they still try to ask, can we play this or can we watch this? Nope, it's a school night been the same answer for years and years and years, and yet you still ask the question, right? So behavior is shaped by these questions. Um, It's a Sunday. We don't do that. Dad, can we do this on Sunday? It's a Sunday. We don't do that. Um, Next week, Dad, can we do this? No, it's a Sunday. We don't do that. But anticipating your parents' questions actually shapes your behavior. And that's just it. Most of the questions they asked revolved around our behavior, our performance in life. And if you're like most adults, I doubt, I thought about this, I doubt if you can think of even a single question that your mom or dad asked repeatedly that caused you to stop and give thought to what was going on inside of you. Now they asked a lot of questions and they asked them repeatedly and they asked them habitually and almost every night. You see what time it is? Time for you to go to bed. You brush your teeth? And at our house we call it brush and flush. Did you brush and flush? Alright, we got to get the word and you just, you just simplify it all. Get it right in there. <laughs> brush, flush, and then hush. And I... Get it all, all in order. Yeah, try to be helpful here on a Sunday morning to the crowd. But, but we know what the questions are. And if we're not careful, they become totally about what's on the outside of us and very little about what's on the inside of us. And if you're like me, and I'm, I'm 40 this summer, so, so I know most, many of you are older than I am. Some of you are younger than I am. But we were taught, most of us in this room, to monitor our behavior instead of to guard our hearts. A lot of us were. They're just being real honest about it. Even if you had Christian parents who took you to church, they may have been much better at monitoring your behavior and helping you with that than monitoring your heart. And so the heart's a big deal. Now, imagine this. Imagine how things might be different in your life today if your parents had instead directed your attention to what's going on inside of your heart. That's where all behavior comes from in the first place. And so moms and dads and future moms and future dads and grandparents, let me give you some good questions as we finish out that might help you get to the heart of the matter. And some of these you might even want to write on the back of your notes if you have a pen, because they're just good to process. You may not even use this exact question, but it may spur a thought in you of how you can interact and help your kids. See, a mother's questions not only show your children the value that you place on the condition of their hearts, they also show your kids what they should be watching for in measuring their own hearts.
Because one day your kid's going to turn 17 or 18 and say, my heart is telling me to do this. Right? My heart wants me to go there. I'm following my heart. And your parents are rolling their eyes like, you're not following your heart. Well, actually they are. Their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Hate to break the news to you, but your little Johnny and your little Susie are not good. God said it. (laughs) Right? Didn't God say it? There's none righteous. No, not one. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. For all who sin and come short of the glory of God. We all have to come at this from the angle that our hearts messed up. Even though Jesus Christ has given us eternal life through the blood of his cross, our heart, our flesh is still messed up. And if you let your flesh go the way it wants to go, it'll always go the wrong way. It'll always deceive you and always trick you. And if you've got these kids thinking about these things from a very early age, four or five, six years old, their hearts will have the opportunity to process God's word before they make a decision. And so when you ask kids questions like this on a regular basis, you help them understand how important the heart is. In fact, one of the things that Solomon said, actually, let's, let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 23. Before I give you these questions, Proverbs 23. Check this out here. Proverbs 23. If you get over there, I'm going to read in verse 23. Read several verses here. Here's what it says. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. He that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Now look at verse 26. This is a great one to underline in your Bible. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. You know what you should want most from your kids? Their heart. If you've got the heart, you got something. Your heart is extremely important to me, son. Your heart is extremely important to me, daughter, because it's extremely important to God and his massively huge plan for your life. That's why I'm asking you this. And if you have kids who are getting a little bit older, this may be very uncomfortable at first. If you haven't tended to be a heart-communicating family, And I promise I speak from experience on this one. I come from a Dutch family that is not a heart-communicative family in many levels. Um, Did you milk the cows? Yes. Right? Did you uh, cut the hay? Yes. Right? Um, And what happened out there? The cow went this way and he blah, 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 blah. He's speaking Dutch all over the place. That's my grandfather. Right? Bless his heart. Not a great communicator. It passed down through the genetic tree to my father, who is also not a great communicator. And then it passed down to me. And even though I communicate for a living, I am a horrible one-on-one communicator 
if I don't take special attention to focus on these things. And especially it can happen with your kids. I realized it the other day. Our son just turned 15, our oldest son. I'm driving down the road, and like, I'm trying to talk to this guy. I want to know who this guy is in the front seat with me. And we don't have any vibe going. Like, you thinking about cars you might want to get? Yep. Well, what are you thinking about, truck? Well, like what kind of truck? Don't know yet. Well, do you maybe want to talk about it? Sure. <laughs> now, actually, Cody's a great kid. He's a sweet kid, but we're not on that level right now. I'm being, oh, I'm bearing my heart to you. I'm struggling with this in my own life. I know many of you are struggling with it. You want to get that heart. And your prayer is, and you're, you're saying, my son, give me your heart. I want to talk. I want to know where you're at. I want to help you. But because we've taught him all along, did you brush your teeth? Did you make your bed? You're going to wear those shoes with that outfit? Do you have a belt on? You know, we're going that route. Sometimes we forget these. And so let me give them to you. I hope these will help you. These work really well at bedtime. Different ones, different nights. And I just bet that once you become heart-oriented, you'll come up with some of your own. This is just to get you thinking. Um, here's, here's the first one. It's pretty easy. Is everything okay in your heart? Is everything okay in your heart? You know, sometimes you just have to let that one sit for a while. Is everything okay in your heart? It wasn't at bedtime, but the other morning, my wife was talking to her daughter. She was having a rough morning. And I couldn't get going out of bed and couldn't get things going in her life that morning. And my wife just said to her, is everything okay in your heart or something kind of along those lines? And all of a sudden, we looked over and she's just crying. Like, what is going on? And I walked out, and I'm like, she's a girl. I get it. (laughs) Most dads understand what's happening here. But, you know, if you just ask the question, get some thinking about their heart. Here's another one. Are you mad at anybody? They're laying in their bed. You're little Johnny or Susie who's a perfect angel. Are you mad at anybody? I dare you to ask them. Because they will tell you, yes, I'm mad at somebody. And there's usually, and you know what? If they're mad at somebody, guess what's growing in their heart? Unimpeded anger. It's growing in there. And you're dealing with the fruit. Why'd you say that? Don't say that. I'm going to have to put soap in your mouth. We don't say that at our house. Right? What are you dealing with? Fruit. What are we trying to get you to deal with? Tree. See, deal with the tree. Now, you should deal with the fruit, too. Until you get the tree totally out. (laughs) They shouldn't say that at your house, right? But you have to deal with the heart part of it. Here's another one. Did anybody hurt your feelings today? Or here's a different way to say it. Did you hurt anybody's feelings today? Because see, they can get guilt growing in there and not even know what it is for years. Most people who live with guilt do not diagnose their guilt ever. And yet it grows in their heart. Did anybody break a promise to you today? Sometimes that can be tough on parents because the parent may be the culprit. 
Yeah, Dad, you did. You said we could have ice cream. Right? But guess what happens in this process? Who do you think else in the family has to deal with their heart? You. Mom does. Dad does. Family does. Is there anything you need to tell me? Anything you need to tell me? And uh, when they're four or five, six, they say, nope. Nope. But you know, if they become a heart-communicating child, by the time they're eight or nine years old, they may tell you a whole lot. Is there anything you need to tell me? Yeah, Mom, there's something I need to tell you. Yeah, Dad, there's something I need to tell you. And they start to, to bring those things out. Are you worried about anything? Worried about anything? This happens a lot to kids. Do you, you know that kids have more pressures placed on them today than they ever have? They have so much information placed on their shoulders as a burden at such a young age that they are worried. Six-year-olds are worried about things that adults should be worried about. Eight-year-olds are worried if mom and dad are going to split up and if this is going to happen and are we going to live there. And They're worried about things that they should never have to be worried about. So you ought to ask them. Here, here's one. Whoa, this, this one really gets into a tough one because it's the jealousy tree. Is there anybody in your class that you'd like to see fail? Is there anybody in your class at school that you laugh at when they fall down? <laughs> Those are tough, right? Because what kid doesn't enjoy when his nemesis in the class gets an F on a test? What kid doesn't like it when so-and-so who was mean to them yesterday fell in the mud at school? It's God's retribution, right? I was coming down from heaven on that. Um, you have any secrets that you'd like to talk about? Any secrets you'd like to talk about? You know, sometimes when you ask that, you may get more than you bargained for. They may keep getting up out of bed to come and tell you another one. Right? I thought of something else that I did. I went in my brother's room when I wasn't supposed to. You know, that's when you know you're actually getting to the heart. My son, give me your heart. Here's another one. What would make you happy? What would make you happy? You know, what a person says, and the answer to that question, says a whole lot about where their heart is. What would make you happy, Mom? What would make you happy, Dad? Good question to ask you, too, and me. Is there anybody you don't like to see coming down the hall? Is there anybody that when they come down the hall, you don't like to see them, you turn the other way? You don't really want to talk to them? Is there anybody that you have hurt that you haven't apologized to? See, what we're talking about is having clean hearts. And it starts with us, parents. It starts with us, grandparents. And it continues down to the next generation. What if we, just in this room, were all committed to scrubbing our hearts clean? Can you imagine what would happen if we made up our minds that we will never let the sun set on our anger again? We'll never let the sun set on our greed or our guilt or our jealousy again. 
What if we worked as hard at guarding our hearts as we did at guarding our homes and our cars and our valuables? We should wake up every day of our lives with our eyes checking out that heart monitor. Beep, beep, beep. What's going on in my heart today? What's going on in your heart today? Those are things we don't usually check at all. Even people who go to church every week don't check the heart monitor. They just come and get a little jolt and then they go back out. I don't think I have to tell you the difference it would make in the lives of your kids if they grew up not just aware of what's around them, but also what's inside them. See, you have an opportunity to do for your kids what your parents may never have known to do for you. These habits and these questions could make God's plans for your kids come to pass. I'd like to end up today in the 51st Psalm. And as I read this, I just want you to understand one more time that it's all about the heart. My son, my daughter, give me your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. If we could just learn to parent the tree and not the fruit. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me truly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth, where? In the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Create a clean heart in me. Just a moment, we're going to bow in prayer. I don't know what your need is today. If you need to come and pray, by all means, come and do that. But I'd like to especially invite all mothers in the room who'd like to come for a commitment prayer to God for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren for this year. If you can't kneel, I'm going to invite you to sit on these front rows. And uh, let's bow in prayer. Father, we pray that at this time that you would be present in this place, that you would help us to get a glimpse of what our family